Hello. Hey, how you doing? We're already recording. Already record. We're going. Let's go. <laughs> ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sometimes I clip it, but I feel like we need to keep this in. We'll, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> in your boots. Thank totally you. you. How you doing today? Yeah, good. Really good. Awesome. You? Yeah, really good. Uh, Where are you based, Brendan? What's that? Where are you based? I'm in North Carolina right now in the U.S. and then in the winter down in Florida, so East Coast. I have a feeling we know some same people. Really? Tell yeah, me. Yeah, through Lactigo. Oh, pro- who do you Definitely. know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She found me uh, uh, and online, obviously, and I worked with her for a little while. And then, yeah, she sent me a friend and then, then she sent me another friend. And now I've got loads of people over in the States. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. So we'll clip it out, not to include her name, but the... Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, Lactigo has has brought people together. That stuff is amazing. Just for sure. Mega fan. So that's cool. Small world. I'll I'll hit her up. I was actually just texting her this morning. Let let's I actually think what you just said is an interesting kicking off point of what is the difference in what athletes need to know when they're in the beginning phase versus what you kind of said. Hey, this is my bread and butter. This is how I differentiate because I started cycling. So I'm in my maybe 14th year or 15th year of racing. Seriously, the I caught the bug quickly. The year before I picked up a bike, I was over 35 pounds overweight, drinking way too much, found cycling through a friend. And I remember I was in my attic with Bicycling Magazine and I was like, oh, carbs, fats and protein. And I ripped the page out and I was like, oh, there's different calories per each gram of this. Like what is had no... I was eating chicken wings at a bar and drinking beer. And I told my friend, I don't know why I'm not losing weight. I'm running 45 minutes every day after work and I'm plowing 2000 calories in 15 minutes. Yeah. So just the discrepancy, you know, and then it's like, I fast forward. And so people, when I talk to them and they're like, well, I want to know everything about nutrition right now, like, dude, it's a journey. Yeah. And so, totally you yeah. know, how, I, that's like a huge question. But when I asked that, like, what kind of jumps to your mind? Cause you're, you know, you're going to forget more about nutrition than most of us are going to learn. So I just love to like tap, like, what did you just think when I asked you that? (laughs) Uh, Sometimes I forget that people know so little about Mm -hmm. nutrition. I won't lie. That is sometimes I really have to like pair things back because I'll say to somebody, okay, so we're going to start you off and you're going to start eating 60 grams of carbohydrate per hour. And they're like, how many grams of carbohydrates is in my energy bar? You know, they have no idea. Mm-hmm. Whereas other people will come along and they'll say, oh, I made a batch of energy balls. And you know, this one has 22 grams and this one's got 30 grams, depending on what size. So it's all about a conversation. Like I, I'm very much a conversationalist, right? So I will figure out how, where somebody's motivations and where they're kind of, where they're, like where their gaps in their knowledge are, right? Mm. So that's the starting point, like where where they where they get their nutrition knowledge in the first place. You know, if somebody is reading articles or somebody does find a magazine and that kind of thing. What's um, the biggest gap? Sorry to jump in there, but I'm curious. What is the like number one or two thing that people consistently have incorrect? Oh, fueling on the bike. Oh, I will love definitely it. Yes. say that. Yeah, it's is that very, in terms of carbs or timing or both? Uh, like carbs and time. No, carbs and uh, the t- the type of carbohydrate. 
no that's the kind of more niche just the amount really Mm. yeah one athlete i had come on was feeling too much and that's never happened before how much was too much what's your recommendation i have like 50 well he was he was eating like 120 grams per hour on every training right you know which is overkill and can maybe even blunt adaptations if you're looking for that sort of train uh, those really endurance adaptations not the high intensity stuff right Mm -hmm. so he was yeah and that was one he was the biggest outlier everybody else nobody else will come to me and say oh yes I'm already eating 120 grams per hour in a race it's never as much as that and then hydration obviously hydration is a big one depending on their age the older they get the worse they are at, at hydrating but then um the younger they are the easier it is to fix right for a lot of people um but yeah the it's it's always to do with carbohydrates like cyclists will generally hear on the radio or not on the radio but like on tv or on youtube or in an article and they say oh carbs are kings so they're like right okay i have to eat all the carbs so they'll have like breakfast cereal that's full of carbs they'll have pizza in the evening they'll have recovery with pasta and but they kind of miss out the fact that the carbs are king during exercise do you know mm. so they might miss out that and then if they're fueling off of those high carb meals all the time they forget that their protein intake has suddenly gone through the floor and mm. they're not recovering they're not sleeping as well they're not uh, they're if they're in a calorie deficit they'll start to lose body weight or um lean muscle mass and they might look like they're losing weight, but they're actually just losing muscle mass. So there, there's all those things to, to think about. And that's where carbohydrate periodization obviously comes into its own and uh, fueling each training session adequately and, you know, depending on what adaptation you're looking for from each session, but as well looking at the rest of your day and your rest days and saying, actually, I'm not exercising as hard this day. I've actually got a rest day. What do I need? What does my body need on this day? And it wants more protein. It probably wants more fats because you're not exercising so high. So it's all those little um, ups and downs that people have to learn. So I want to jump back to hydration in a second, but let's talk about more specifically the carbs then for, because I probably eat too many carbs and there's times where I just can tell them like, oh, I'm eating too many carbs and I'll go out. I'm a huge carb fan, but I don't think I eat, 120 on an endurance ride but if i'm going out for like a five hour ride i'm probably doing 500 grams of carbs mm-hmm. i'm also 80 kgs so like the watts are more i don't know i'd be curious what's your how do athletes find your recommendation of carbs per hour for an endurance ride and then what about for let's say a hard group ride or if they're racing a race so let's talk first about the endurance ride yes. right so you're obviously a coach brendan right yes so the key adaptation from an endurance ride is to upreg- upregulate your endurance pathways, okay? And to do that, your body has to be in a certain stressed state. And they talk, you hear a lot about these like train low sessions where you're starting off with low glycogen stores and that will help to attenuate those um sorry, increase the, the ability for those endurance pathways to to take place okay now training with low carbohydrate stores is all well and good and and sometimes it can be recommended recommended right but if you you're it's not really something that you want to be doing all the time because it's it's increases your autonomic drive and it's really stressful and it's hard to recover from and it really really hard to implement 
especially during race season. Like, don't touch it with a barge pole around that time of season. That's but, really good to hear because <laughs> people are going to hear are, this during races and like, oh, I need to go like train with no carbs. And it just. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, look, it has, its t- it has its place, right? I'm not one of those who says you always must eat. You always must fuel your, car- your, uh, your endurance rights. There is a time and a place, but it has to be well managed. And the coach and the nutritionist are such a key aspect of that. But anyway, I digress. The five hour endurance rides. You only have enough glycogen stored in your muscles anyway to last about two hours at that endurance pace. Mm-hmm. So by the end of that two hours, unless you have been fueling with 120 grams per hour, that glycogen stores in your muscles will be depleted. Not obviously 100% depleted, but I'd say by the end of the third hour, it will be really depleted. Do you know, so you're finishing with low carbohydrate stores. And that's when the adaptations that you could get from train low sessions will be upregulated at that point because you're finishing with low carbohydrate stores, not in not necessarily that you've started with low carbohydrate stores. So for those sessions, it's not if the intention is to improve your endurance, which it generally is, you you do want to finish with low uh, glycogen stores. So you're not going to be fueling with 120 grams per hour because you're not going to tap into those stores. Okay, your body is just going to be fueling more off of the intake of carbohydrate Mm -hmm. rather than your body's stores of it. So the intake, if it's a little bit lower than that, say about 80 or like 60 grams an hour, then the intake won't be enough to stop the stores being used up. And then you'll be able to finish with low carb stores or low glycogen stores. And that's what they talk about. That's why the long endurance sessions are so darn important for anybody that wants to get faster at longer like they're improve their endurance capacity because and that's kind of why time crunched athletes have such difficulty doing it and they could be the type of people who train low sessions like starting out with low glycogen stores might be of more use since they're not riding long enough to actually deplete them literally just don't have the time what about is there an asterisk there if someone has another long ride the next day or a hard session so that they would be, would you say, Hey, maybe that's not the day to do that because you're going to need the carbs and energy to do the following ride. So don't deplete them or still deplete them, but just makes you eat enough carbs at night. Um, because I've even looked like how long does it take to replace glycogen stores? And I obviously there's going to be an individual aspect to that at some point, but like the, the, Data online is not consistent. It's like 12 hours, 48 hours. I think one's at 72. I'm like, that does not seem right. What's so, your problem? Yeah, no, 72, 24 hours is probably, it, it is generally between 24 and 48 hours, right? Okay. For glycogen stores to return to pre-exercise levels. Okay. However, that's if you're eating a normal diet. Okay. Mm. So as cyclists in that post-exercise window, all that glycogen replenishment, all those pathways are upregulated to the max. So you Mm. need to capitalize in that post-exercise window. And you can take, it could take about three or four hours if you do it quick enough. But if you refuel by the data is like between one and 1.2 grams per kilo of body weight per hour after that session, up Mm. to three hours, but maybe even longer if the session was super long or super hard, uh, and you refuel with that amount of carbohydrate, obviously the fast release carbohydrate, so they can go straight into the into the muscle. 
I mean, that's um, super easy to hit. That's for me as an 80 kg rider, that's yeah. like 80 grams of carbs after a ride. That's I'm yes, shattering that. But, yeah, no. And it's, it is super easy. Like you, you have your, um, you have your, oh, say for example, I'm, I don't mind saying this. Right. So I, my, my go-to is Cocoa Pops, right? So mm. I'll have a, well, I'm 60 kilos. So I'll have a 60, no, don't really, I'll have about a 50 gram bowl of that. And then mm-hmm. I'll have the, the rice and bagel or rice and something else you know and there that's that's that two hour window taken care of and then if if I have another hour and I still feel like I needed it because the session was so hard then I'll have another like energy ball or something like that however the problem is that people wait too long so those pathways that um glycogen replenishment those glycogen replenishment pathways would be down regulated later on say after about five or six hours and then they start tanning the tanning the carbs the fast release carbs and Mm -hmm. it doesn't go straight into storage because it kind of trickles in rather than going smashing in in those three hour in that three hour window afterwards so it's trickling in and then anything that doesn't can't get into storage into into glycogen storage just gets converted into body fat and that's how you see weight gain so let's say an athlete is 70 kgs, they finish and they, so they're going to go for the 70 grams an hour, but how fast do we digest this food also? Cause it's not like I put it in my mouth and it's like, Oh, it's, it's replaced. Cause I, have this <laughs> you know, I had this error and I actually was just talking to Landry, another coach. And I, we were chatting at Chipotle after crushing this five hour gravel race. It was like 5,500 kjs. No, maybe it was a six hour race. Do we hit 6,000? It was a lot of kjs. And we're like crushing Chipotle. I'm like, here's a question though. I'm super hungry. I'm going to eat this whole Chipotle bowl. It's clearly more carbs than I could absorb in an hour, even if I was racing. He's like, but dude, it's, it's digestible. Oh, uh, burrito bowl. Rice, uh-huh, okay, got rice, you. tortilla shell. Oh my God. You guys don't have Chipotle? I never even thought about that. I thought that. you were talking about the little sausages. Aren't they called the Chipotle sausages? Uh, no, those are, Chipotle is a pepper. So... Right, okay. This is interesting. Okay. Yeah, rice, carbs, like vegetables. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, but Brendan, digestion. He's like, you're not going to digest that instantly. So like, how do we, do you eat to hunger? Do you say, well, I did three hours, so I should eat 70 kgs times three hours or so 210 grams or just eat to your so full or like, you know, the, the digestion piece. The thing is definitely, it's tricky, right? So fiber obviously if you have um, a bunch of carbohydrates that are full in fiber then that is going to change your um how quickly those carbohydrates are going to be delivered into the the muscle okay mm-hmm. basically it's the amount because if you've got like a bowl of beans the fiber in that is going to be most of the carbohydrate not most but it's going to be it's going to form quite a lot of that carbohydrate if you've got plain rice that's just pure carbohydrate so that's going to go straight into the muscle. And because it's uh, it's to do with the glycemic index, right? Rice right. in particular is a very high glycemic index carbohydrate, which means it's uh, digested and delivered out into circulation, increases your blood sugar. So that's that, that it identified in the blood in circulation immediately after, or sorry, not immediately after, but uh, on a scale of how quickly it can get to your, get into circulation. Things with higher fiber have a lower glycemic index and they will take a little bit longer. Then if you eat them with a bunch of fat, that will slow down the Mm -hmm. emptying of your stomach 
of those carbohydrates because the fat takes so long to leave your stomach. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it just depends on the type of carbohydrate. If it's a more uh, glucose-based carbohydrate, like maltodextrin and rice in itself, they go straight into circulation. But other ones like fructose, that goes through your liver first and then gets out into circulation. So it takes a little bit longer. However, your liver stores of glycogen are also of great importance when you're cycling or when for everybody, right? Not just for cyclists, but when you're finished your store, um, your liver glycogen, it can only store about 40 grams of carbohydrate. And if it's depleted at the end of a ride, and then you don't replete it specifically with fructose based carbohydrate, then later in the day, you're basically going to be on this big, massive sugar spikes and curves and oh, dips and everything. And it's just, it's just car crashes. But uh, so that's why containing our fructose containing carbohydrates after the ride are also very important and before. So, okay. I love nutrition because that was so many nuances to like, well, the glycemic index matters and is there fat and is there this and if it's fructose and if it's glucose it's like dude i'm just in the line at chipotle like i just crush this ride what do i order and so let's make a takeaway rider crushes i think we've established if you're doing an endurance ride you know moderate amount of carbs you don't have to do overkill and if you deplete them that's fine just don't you know think of the next ride also and then what about for a race what's like let's give a takeaway of like how What's an actionable item that someone that listens to this? Because I think we're that your knowledge that was so detailed and on point, but mm-hmm. most listeners are gonna be like, wait, what is she? Like everyone's the head explosion emoji was just like, holy crap. I mean, yeah, I feel see, like this is why it takes three months for me to work with an athlete. A hundred percent. I mean, I'll even talk to Landry and I, and and <laughs> we'll talk about the glycemic index. I'm like, wait, but I put honey on this. Maybe I should be using, um, God, what's, it's not hemp. Maple syrup? No, I drink that on the bike instead of gel. Oh dear. Um, oh my God, I used it this morning. It's the brown liquid, uh, not the cacti, but- Agave? Agave, thank you. <laughs> surprised <laughs> I knew that one. And it was just like all from glycemic index stuff. And it's like, oh my God, this is like, we could go down the rabbit hole. But I think- would when you were talking about the rice being higher glycemic index that's good though post ride big mega ride right okay and is that why cereal which is mostly sugar is okay post ride but don't eat that when you're sitting around on monday morning is that well you can't really call it sugar because sometimes it's sugar implies that it might be sucrose which it's not uh it's again more maltodextrin based say for example cocoa pops are anyway if it's got if honey nut cornflakes probably have more fructose and isn't it just table so what is table sugar table sugar uh, table sugar is sucrose but it's it's um it's basically simplified uh glucose and fructose it's a one-to-one ratio Mm-hmm. Your priority is really glucose because it's just so fast, right? Mm-hmm. So, but obviously you don't talk to people in glucose terms. You talk to them in food terms, right? Do you and think cereal's bad? Is ce- sh- no, sh- no, cereal's perfect. This is it because it's more- post-ride or all the time? Oh, all the time. <laughs> really? No, no, post-ride. post, post ride Okay. Because it is such a fast release carbohydrate right. and it will go into circulation and into the working muscle or into the worked muscle 
because now I've just heard a lot more people talking about, well, if I'm eating sugar, then I'm blunting fat burning. And that's a negative, obviously. No, that's pre-ride. Okay. Okay. No, that's a different kettle of fish. So so just so I'm sure, save the cereal for post-ride. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Or things like Haribo, right? You see, like there was a really great video of one of the really tall guys, Hugo Carthy, Hugo Carthy, and he writes for EF, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely shoveling in handfuls of Haribo after one of the stages. Yeah. Uh, or was that one of the classic races? I don't know. But like those guys, their nutritionists will literally walk around with basically bag suitcases of Haribo because it's just such a, a quick release carbohydrate and for recovery, it's perfect and contains fructose as well. So mm-hmm. I don't know what the ratio is. Don't ask me that. But uh, in terms of recovery, it's pretty good. Now, is there a point where you're eating too much Haribo? And like you said, that sugar is getting converted to fat because like how much Haribo is too much Haribo? Well, it's almost gram for gram uh, carbohydrate. So 50, say 60 grams of Haribo is 50 grams of carbohydrate, right? But so I mean, like, can, so 70. That could be one of your hours. So, Okay. That's one hour. I mean, I could sit, I could crush 250 grams after a ride. That's probably too yeah, much. Of course you could. Yeah. But you, that's why you need a plan for these things. Right. Right. So I'm saying that's too much. Don't eat the whole bag. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, it would be yes, because there is a, there is a limit, you know, your stomach can only empty things quick enough. And then all the different transporters that will empty those carbohydrates out into circulation from your intestinal tract, they have a limit too. So, and they'll be still digesting, your stomach will still be emptying, they'll still be digesting long after those three hours are finished. So beyond that, then you've eaten too much and you're just gonna, it's just gonna go into storage, fat storage. Ooh, I don't want that. Let's no. talk, let's talk about the hydration piece that you brought up. Mm. Because this is tricky, especially. Um, I don't know if UK gets as hot, but down here in the Southeast, like, oh man, we're going to have the Fahrenheit Celsius issue right now. It was 99 for most of this gravel race. So God, I don't know my, let me see. What is that in Celsius? 99 F to C. It was 37 C for a lot of the gravel race. Just torturous. And And not a lot of airflow there as well, is there? No, not enough. Um, Let's say it's 30 C. I see that a lot in TV. So like 90 ish, you know, or, and maybe the hydration piece is not just when it's hot. When you say people aren't hydrating properly, how do they figure out what they need to be doing? And then what are the errors that you see people kind of going through? Well, first thing in the morning, really what people should be doing is drinking about half a liter. That's uh, I mean, it just, it gets, you're obviously not drinking for about eight hours overnight. So your body is kind of in a dehydrated oh, yeah. state. I would say so, a liter. That's only half a liter, 16 ounces. Yeah, I do. Okay, I do. look, small people, short people, whatever. Yeah. Um, Did you so... call me fat? No. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, I got roasted on the podcast. <laughs> Dang. Okay, so, so I, yeah, that's, I mean, no, that's a good point. That would I... be the first thing that they do on a day. I think that that alone would help people realize actually I've been walking around dehydrated all this time. Then I start my bike ride. I'm already dehydrated. It's a three hour bike ride and I'll only drink like 500 mils. Can you imagine? I mean, it scares me sometimes how dehydrated I realize some people are. I got a guy, I'm working with some people over in the, 
in Dubai at the moment and he just did a sweat test for me and he is sweating 2.2 liters an hour whoa which is up there with probably one of some of the highest sweat rates that you see but obviously the humidity over there and the heat over there don't ask me I think it's in the 40s probably like when you're talking about degrees so like that's just huge then you have to kind of you have to try and say to yourself, right, you're not going to be able to few or hydrate with 2.2 liters per hour. So there has to be a limit. You have to start hydrated in the first instance. Mm-hmm. The max he's probably going to be able to take on is about 750 because he's a small person. Like this is the thing, he's not huge. Wow. So if he can aim for 750 mil per hour on the bike, then we can establish what a rehydration protocol would be to get him rehydrated to the point where he's not going to start the next session the day after already dehydrated mm-hmm. um so sweat tests are honestly they're the most useful things for people to do how do um, someone take it what do they do to take a sweat test Where oh you- it's very simple um you you weigh yourself before a bike ride mm-hmm. you pick a pick a ride where it's only like between 90 minutes or two hours mm-hmm. otherwise you're kind of talking about glycogen depletion being part of the weight loss mm-hmm. so you um yeah you weigh yourself before and after in the nude make sure you dry yourself off after mm-hmm. so you're not like sweat still isn't on your body or in your hair or you know on your kit that's why you weigh yourself in the nude and then you record how much you drank how much you ate if you had any pee stops uh hopefully not because kind of complicates things either you have to pee in a cup to measure it or you i'll just estimate it um and then there's formulas basically that will just throw out your sweat rate per hour and uh then if you know or i can estimate your sodium concentration so there's an average sodium concentration uh, milligrams per liter of sweat if that's high then we'll have a sodium replenishment protocol as well or we'll just kind of estimate things based on averages for people so is the you know how does someone know if they're dehydrated like well see they don't that's the thing say for example right you we have a thing called the uh, the what method okay so and we use this if somebody's going out going off in a training camp or something right but there's three things that would identify if you've woken up in the morning you're dehydrated Number one is obviously the thirst scale. On a scale of one to 10, how thirsty are you? Right now, I'm probably about a five. So then you uh, you look at the color of your urine. They, and it, there's a scale, obviously, of that. If it's like pale yellow or kind of dark brown, um, and you identify what color of that is. Then the other one is weight. What should it be in the morning? Sorry to jump in there. About a three. Is pale yellow? Is is light? Is it my? I I almost wonder sometimes if I'm overhydrating. It should look see through, like it should, oh, okay, it, yeah. So it like um, it depends on what color your screen is right now. But I mean, this would probably not be a good color because it's Got too it. dark. Yeah. it's too uh, yeah, mostly see through. More clear than yellow. We'll yeah, say. yeah. And then the other one is your weight. So if your body weight has changed by more than one percent overnight then you're, or is it 2%? Between one and 2%, say, over one or 2%, then you've woken up dehydrated. And that's just a case of you weigh yourself each day. And if it's if it's too high of a change, then you know you're, um, you're dehydrated. And those two of those things together, say dark urine and um, too much of a body weight change, then you probably are dehydrated. 
the thing is you can't use thirst on its own if you wait say runners are, are brilliant for this but if you wait for the thirst response uh for like thirst to be your indicator of oh yeah i need to be i need to drink now you're already two percent dehydrated so you're already seeing performance decrements as a result of that two percent dehydration mm -hmm. i mean i think that was the thing with this gravel race i'll usually try to do i think ounces like 40 ounces two bottles two normal size bottles per hour yeah. um and then i I still don't know exactly. I think I am relatively salty sweater, but not like crazy salty. So I'll do about like 600 grams of sodium an hour normally. So I was just kind of mm -hmm. doubling that. Um, would you think that's too much or? I that's was... hard. That's hard to say. So you're saying you're saying you're drinking 40 ounces per hour. Yeah. When it's that hot and sweating a ton. So that's 1.3. How tall are you, Brendan? 6'5". Mm, yeah you can probably tolerate all of that 1.1 i mean that's what like down when i lived in tennessee that was the protocol for like everybody everybody was two yeah, bottles yeah. an hour like because yeah. you're just wet like it's so humid i don't care if it's five in the morning you are just dripping uh, like to the point you have to wear gloves or you would notice like your hands are slippery on the bars yeah. yeah yeah i mean sodium concentrations are difficult to 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 estimate there is obviously there are averages, there are outliers and all that kind of thing. So it'd be really hard for me to say like what a mm -hmm. uh, recommended sodium protocol would be for somebody without actually looking into their... How would someone... Do, are there any beverage. tests people can do or like how does... Or do you have to go to a lab? Yeah, or? there are... There are sodium... So you can get... There are bioanalyzers, biosensors that, that do this. Uh, NICs have one. Okay. Uh, but it's not new. It's not, sorry, it's not, a, it's not been around all that long and it has its glitches, but it can give you a sodium concentration of your sweat. So you'll be able to see what, what's your sweat rate per hour. The other method is you put a, you put a patch on. Now Gatorade have got a patch that you can put on and I'm not sure how, but I think it can tell you what your sweat rate is, or sorry, what your sodium concentration is, but they're disposable, uh, again probably not really all that accurate the the most uh benefit or the most accurate one would be is putting a patch on your forearm sorry on your forearm and covering it over with a kind of a plaster type thing that stops it from running out swap stops the sweat from running out uh one of those what do you call them tagaderm yeah. um, patches mm -hmm. and you take a sample from it after whatever the duration has been, take a sample of it and you put it onto an analyzer and it will tell you what the sodium concentration is. And then there are formulas that will tell you what your whole body sweat rate is compared to what it was in your arm because you've got different sweat totally. pockets, if you like, uh, sweat. Um, oh, it gets complicated quickly. Per, per body weight or per, yeah. per body part. Yeah, it does. Okay. So. We had some other uh, big bullet points here. Ones I definitely want to hit on of managing weight loss without losing power. Mm. This comes back to the carbohydrate periodization Dude. part, right? Mm -hmm. So that cyclist I told you who has cereal in the morning, uh, pasta at lunch and pizza at dinner, right? There's just carbs all day long. If I was to look at that, and it's always the case, nobody can ever hit their protein requirements, Right. Protein is that thing, obviously, that retains muscle mass, lean muscle mass. 
So if somebody, if I put somebody into a calorie deficit, I better make sure that none of that body weight loss is from muscle mass. They're going to lose power. They're going to sleep shit because their um their protein requirements for normal hormone uh, production will be uh, hampered, and they're just going to feel a little bit rubbish, right? So, but obviously, power coming from muscle, you want to retain as much of that as possible. Mm-hmm. So periodizing your carbohydrate but using protein as the kind of basic element of each of those meals you know that that kind of never really changes for a lot of uh, athletes like what your protein requirements are on a daily basis um kind of per meal it doesn't change too much so if i say to somebody i need you to have 30 grams of protein at least four times a day then put your carbohydrates on top of that depending on what the training session is medium to low carb for rest days high carb for your training days that alone like that that information alone and that kind of planning alone is kind of the biggest win for me um when it comes to weight loss for athletes without losing power i think that's important to point out too for maybe the newer listener who might they've heard the word periodization periodize your carbs like wait what does that mean for training and then Ellen, finish it off with based on your hard session, you eat differently than if you're on a rest day. Um, And there's blogs that go in depth on that and just use the carbs as fuel for your harder sessions. And then this kind of also ties into the first part of the conversation. You know, you don't need to have all these carbs for an endurance ride, but think about what's the next session. If you're going to have a hard ride the next day, you might need to lean the diet towards carbs after the long ride so that you're fueled to have the energy to put out the big watts if your coach has a big ride the next day. Absolutely. Um, That's a really, I love that aspect of anchoring it with the protein using the carbs for energy for the specific intervals and then is it fair to say that the correct amount of fat that we need is just going to get into the diet through normal healthy eating or do you have a or avoidance aspect for that well this is where say if because we're talking specifically here about weight loss right fat is generally the one that does have to be decreased quite a bit because with a gram of fat you basically have nine calories right a gram of carbohydrate is four calories right mm-hmm. there it's almost double the amount of energy for the same amount of food so and it's not very uh, satiating so it doesn't really fill you up right you have a uh, yeah if you had a tablespoon of tablespoon of peanut butter versus like a whole big bowl of salads they might be the same amount of carbohydrate and that's so called, sad it's not that's fair energy density yeah um so I need to be, I need to fill up those athletes because they need to not think they're in a calorie deficit because they're eating so much food, right? And I always get that. Why am I eating so much food and I'm still losing weight? But it's because there's a lot of volume for not a lot of calories or for a little less calories, obviously, than if there was a lot more fat in it. Mm-hmm. So we'll make sure that we're keeping our fat intake from beneficial sources that will help with recovery. So your omega-3s and your uh, unsaturated fats and that kind of thing. Obviously, I'm not going to tell someone that they can't have cheese, okay? That would be that would be awful. So it's I will. <laughs> it's just no, about I, I just, where I, that would be. I think one of my friends one time, shout out to Andrew, a guy I raced with back in 2012, for those that remember the Mount Bora Nalgene squad. And we were talking about cheese and he's like, I always just ask myself, what's the nutritional value of that piece of cheese? And 
I think I'm the, I more lean to, you know, you got to live if you have to be a happy cyclist. So if the bowl of ice cream is going to make you really happy and you go to bed and whatever, like then you got to fit in sometimes don't do it all the time. But I, I do ask myself, I'm like, is this helping me get faster? Or is this just my, like, you know, primate brain being like, oh, that cheese, that looks really good. Then you put it in your mouth, you get happy for three seconds. And you're like, oh, damn, I shouldn't have eaten that. So, well, that's the question we ask them then. What's your priority? Right, if exactly. Your priority, yes. And it depends where you are in your season, right? What's the priority here? Are you out for dinner with your mates and that burger is looking just really good then your priority is to have that burger and enjoy your time with your mates right mm -hmm. listen to that podcast with uh, your man cooper the other mm -hmm. the other week yeah shout um, out cooper and he talks about like going out for for burgers with his mates and there is nothing better that is my that's my go-to is a big juiced dirty burger mm -hmm. and if someone tells me that i can't have that then that's probably not someone i want to work with because right. we have this 80% rule. If you can stick to your plan 80% of the time, and if you add up the amount of meals in your week, and then you scraped off 20% of it, it's actually quite a lot of meals, right? right. So if you can stick to your plan 80% of the time, and then go enjoy your time and have the cheese or whatever it might be, whatever your guilty pleasure is, um, then enjoy that for what it is and do not feel guilty about it. Because that, think that can just screw up. Timing is also huge when it's holiday time and there's all these treats and cook. I love cookies and I love potato chips. So if there's cookies that my sister made and they get sent here, I bring it out on a bike ride and I actually will then eat it. And I can, sometimes I don't feel great when I'm eating it next to it. I'm like, Oh, and it's a good reminder to me. Like, this is not something I want to be eating all the time. Whereas I know it's very quite often like, Oh, I rode three hours. I can eat whatever I want. And then people see the negative like you can't really do that um, if, if you're going for performance. And so I think the timing is something that I've used. And uh, Dan Chabanov, um, he was on a on the first podcast I had. This was probably 14 years ago. And he brought this up. He's like, bring the treats on the bike. And I always, it, that always stuck with me. So let me, what do you think of counting calories for an athlete that doesn't know portion size and doesn't know any, for me, when I didn't know anything, I did count calories. Do you recommend that as educational or do you think it leads to bad habits? I think plan calories. That's my, Ooh, that's my, that. that's my take on that because cool. you can count your calories after you've eaten the meal. And then you realized, Oh God, that was all my calories for the one day in one meal. Cool. But if you planned it ahead and that's why having a nutrition plan is so darn useful. I don't talk in calories for one, for one thing. Right. But if you can plan ahead and say, okay, well, I've got, got chicken and rice and I've got my overnight oats for the morning I've got my chicken and rice for recovery and then I've got my salmon and sweet potatoes for my dinner afterwards how much of those do I actually need right and that plan ahead will actually show you that oh if I throw on half or like a I don't know like a big handful of cheese on top of my chicken and rice it's probably going to throw me over my calorie requirement so that's why that's where I will use it but I don't feel like people are uh, are educated enough to to track calories uh without knowing anything about what they need and especially with cycling because it's so that that carbohydrate periodization it is complicated mm -hmm. like do you know it's, it's just not easy to get right so if i try and get an elite athlete 
to try and start learning how to uh, periodize carbohydrates and calorie count and try and be in a calorie deficit if that's what they wanted to do. It's, I wish there was something that I could compare it to in terms of cycling and coaching, uh, you know, that isn't useful. What do you find is the least useful thing for cyclists in terms of coaching and training? Uh, what do I think is, what do you mean? What do I think is the least? Just useful? in terms of people analyzing data or like um, being accountable to data. God. I would say it's more over focused on finding the magical workout and like the drawing conclusions that aren't necessarily true like oh I did this ride so this happened and the correlation um that's a tough question that's a really good question I okay so when you think about that I'll just go back to this uh this calorie counting thing it can be useful for people to learn what portion sizes are okay cool but in terms of in terms of like what their goals are, what their body composition goals are, what their performance goals are, unless they're using it with the correct information to plan meals ahead, then it's kind of useless. I think the best thing, the a huge takeaway from this podcast is that someone's going to tune in and, and it in an hour, it's going to show how much detail all of these little pockets have that you have to, like, if you want to quote unquote, get good at nutrition, you got to like, just learn a lot of stuff. And that's what my journey started with understanding portion size, and then understanding fueling and then understanding recovery and then understanding timing and then understanding, wait, why am I gaining weight? And I'm riding all this amount. Oh, I'm over fueling here. And, and it just continues to unravel. And you learn more about what works for you, what doesn't work for you, what works for your friend might not work for you. And then also being realistic. I mean, it just, it, just keeps unraveling well it's a whole other discipline of cycling yes like especially with any of the triathletes i work with right they they are complicated i mean and just in the sense that they there's so many there's so many sessions that they have to try and schedule in right but nutrition for them is the fourth part of their sport do you know and i think more people are getting that more people are getting the sense of that and realizing actually maybe the fast wheels aren't going to make me faster maybe it's what i'm fueling with that's going to make me faster and it's it, there's definitely a shift and you see it most <clears throat> sorry i see it most now with juniors coming through they're like everybody's really good really young you know and i have to get to that level as quickly as possible so they they will work with a nutritionist and for a lot of the junior guys i work with they um they haven't developed any of the bad habits so it's easy for them to get you know good at nutrition and um but yeah i think that's probably one of the reasons why the juniors these days are so shit hot mm. is because they've got all the little things you know that's amazing what is let, let's talk uh two words that you would put down avoiding cramps there was an oh. in- there's yeah. an interesting post. Do you know Alan Lim from Scratch? No, See? I know the company Scratch. I don't know him though. Yeah, so look, look up Alan Lim. He's an interesting guy. You might have some things up your alley. He was talking about how a lot of times cramps are simply your muscles. You just can't do the workload. And that's a cramp. It's not necessarily always sodium. And he had made a post about ways to like i think it was like you drink something really sour and it can reverse what's like cramping however your brain processes cramp but 
I thought that was interesting. And so I've always leaned on cramps are mostly your body just can't handle the effort. Like, and this is why I think training races are extremely important. People have, you know, they go through training sessions and then they have maybe only four events in the summer and they don't train hard enough. So then they go to this event and an hour and a half in, it's like, Whoa, dude, I'm throttling my body. I see people cramp there. So I try to, I try to not have that happen by having hard group rides sporadically have those hard efforts, but that's kind of my verbal diarrhea of when I think avoiding cramps as you as a nutritionist and works with a lot of different athletes, what does avoiding cramps mean to you? It's kind of process of elimination, really. Okay. If somebody is in the middle of the season, they've already done a bunch of races, then I can't use the uh, intensity factor factor being the uh, thing that's causing the cramps because there's so many things. But carbohydrate depletion anyway, well, glycogen depletion, right? If the carbs aren't there, then your body's going to be looking, your muscles are going to be looking for uh, fuel from somewhere and they will start to break down um, protein, so muscle protein. To so you can cram from not enough carbs. Yeah, absolutely. I did not know that. Then the other one obviously is dehydration. So right. uh, there's not enough fluid in the in circulation for your blood to be able to pump blood or pump pump nutrition nutrition nutrients to the working <laughs> muscle, and that can lead to cramps also because just simply the nutrition isn't getting there. Uh, then you've got um, electrolyte imbalances. So that could come from a lack of dehydration. So the nutrients like uh, potassium, magnesium, um, those kind of things, they are not getting to the muscle. Um, and then the other one is, um, oh, crikey. Oh, there's, there is more. Like it's not, it's not always dehydration or it's not always sodium that um, depletion that can cause cramps, right? So... I'll have to obviously go through all this. I'll have to make sure obviously that they're fueling carbohydrate correctly, that they're hydrating correctly. If, <clears throat> if we've identified that they can't take on enough fluid during the bike ride, then I will preload them um, hydrative, hydratingly, that's not, not a word. I will prehydrate them aggressively oh, before the session, right? That will include sodium loading as part of that as well. How much and sodium loading? So, the it'll depend on the size of the athlete but say for a 70 kilo guy it'll be about two liters of water with five grams of table salt and that'll but it has to be finished two hours before the session so five grams of salt is two thousand grams of sodium sure. correct so it'll draw to about 800 mils of water because you'll pee all the rest of it out okay. um but that's just a that's just a, an aggressive hydration strategy and so, hang, hang on a second my video just skipped there Go for ahead. a second so five grams that's 40% those are 2000 grams of sodium. I, is that correct? Milligrams of sodium? Five grams of table salt. Is. So it's sodium chloride. Um, just the plain table salt, not like, um, not like what you call it. But I thought one gram of table salt was 400 milligrams of sodium. Uh, 400 milligrams of sodium. That doesn't sound like a lot. Five grams. No, but I'm saying, let me make sure I have my calculations correct. One gram of salt. Uh -huh. is 400 mm. milligrams of sodium oh yeah i'm not 100 of the molecular weights of each of them like between the sodium well, just so somebody doesn't plus. hear five grams and go for five grams of sodium because that no, would be it's five grams of table salt okay right it is sodium chloride but okay. plain table salt and then if they need any more we can add in certain types of carbohydrates 
um, as well that will try and hold on to a little bit more or a little bit more hydration. So that will obviously sodium load them as well as uh, hydrating them to about 800 mils before the actual event begins. And uh, that's one aspect. The other one you mentioned there is sour foods, but pickle juice in particular is the key thing that switches off the the neural pathways that can be causing cramp, right? Mm. Now, I've heard reports that's only temporary. Mm. You're not really solving the issue of the cramp, like where the cramp is coming from. It's just a, a temporary fix. And I think that's probably why they've called them cramp fix, but they are only temporary. And like I said, they're not really solving the issue itself. Um, but like things like um, things like strength and conditioning, right? So when you're talking there about uh, race efforts, okay, and doing them early in the season, probably what you're trying to do there with your guys are like um, stimulating the muscle so that it's... Uh, really active right and it's doing as much power as it's going to be if you say move your bike position or you wear different shoes all of a sudden you're probably going to start using different little muscle groups that haven't been worked before and you put them into a race situation and they're the ones that might cramp up but if you throw in some strength and conditioning that targets all those things kind of on a regular basis and you do your foam rolling and you do your stretching then you're um you're working those muscles that can do a job and do it well and they're not going to be your debilitating factor when it comes to a race Mm, i love that do you know are the car is the water that's retained by carb loading usable for hydration purposes Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you've got four grams. So yeah, four grams of water yeah. per every one gram of carbohydrate. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. If you went in glycogen depleted versus fully glycogen loaded, you're going to have a lot more water at your disposal. Do you know what the stance is on those things? You mentioned potassium, magnesium, calcium. There are some drink mixes now that are only using like table salt because there's a study that shows that those extra things had no bearing on hydration do you agree with that or do you still think getting bearing on hydration possibly maybe they don't have much bearing on hydration however like calcium and potassium are all part of the muscle contraction um and relaxation process so Mm -hmm. if you're sweating out all your all your calcium and all of a sudden there's none left it's going to get leached from your bones so that's obviously not a good aspect so the calcium in there might be more beneficial for that aspect of exercise versus the hydration aspect of exercise because i've switched off of drink mixes and i'm trying to think the one that i actually used to use did not even have potassium magnesium calcium um and a lot of us are doing just pure table sugar and sea salt and Mm -hmm. so i'm wondering do i need to supplement potassium magnesium calcium possibly in well sea salt sea salt isn't plain table salt remember that it might have some other electrolytes in there as other minerals if you like um so table salt is plain uh sodium chloride whatever is in sea salt that's why like pink himalayan salt can be used as a replacement for electrolytes because it has other minerals oh so use pink go pink well that's what i've recommended in the past yeah for like a for for a kind of a make it yourself um 
yeah. energy drink with just like I mean, I've actually, as I say this, I've used pink probably half the time just because that's what I had at home. So mm. oh, it's nice as well. I like the taste of it. Um, but like I I don't use I add my own electrolytes basically to everything that I have because and what do you use? I just use the bulk powders, uh, plain electrolyte mix. It's it is all for them though. And uh but in the right quantities because it's based on the sweat rate. Email me a link to that so we can post it in the oh, show. For sure, yeah. yeah. Um it's it's based on the sweat concentration of those minerals of those electrolytes so that's what it's trying to replace and that's obviously well, not obviously but that probably where the data that they put into that development came from um but yeah i mean sea salt and uh and pink himalayan salt they do contain other minerals anyway so um that's all good this has been awesome. I want to respect the time that you have. I'm wondering, we had some other ones, topics of like getting to the end of longer races with gas in the tank, going through stage races, um, <laughs> supplements, and there's a lot of things that we could talk about. Would you want to do another podcast in like a month? or? Do I have to- a feeling, Brendan, if I start talking about supplements, I won't be able to stop talking and I do I know. need to stop talking. <laughs> can, so, we do a, yeah. can we do a part two? Think- and actually what I'd love to do in here and say, hey, people, email me because people are going to love this podcast. You have, As I said, from the get-go, you've forgotten more than most of us know. Would you be down to do another podcast? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, Ask actually asking the question as to what people would want to know is useful. Yeah. Um, and like, I'm happy for people to say, actually, I don't think you, I don't agree with this sort of thing. So I'm happy for that as well. If there's anybody that okay. doesn't Any, agree like, with anything that's yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but give I me a heads up on that one. Don't kind of spring that me one on me on the, on the podcast. <laughs> I love to spring, I like to spring awkward questions sometimes on the podcast and make keeps it spicy. What's uh, two easy questions. So actually, well, what would be the any take anything that we missed in this one or final words that you want to share on an actionable item, whether someone is a new cyclist or a more experienced cyclist, like what should they take away from this? I think uh, go out on a three hour bike ride with your mates or with a, on a chainy or something like that, or even in a race mm-hmm. and actually go through and add up how much carbohydrate was in each of the products that you used and how much you actually ate and see if that's anything less than 60 grams an hour no wonder you died at the end and if you're going to be really finickety about it look at your hydration intake as well if that's anything less than 500 mils an hour then again no wonder you died of death at the end (laughs) so that'll be that's the easiest thing to do but people uh we didn't do that well I was actually sorry to cut you off we didn't do race day how many grams of carbs an hour Oh, that's always particular. That's 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 going to be dependent, uh, athlete dependent. If they can't, it depends on what their stomachs can handle. Um, let's say they're good. Let's I, say they're they've been eating carb. They're uh-huh. they're good to go. What would be? Yeah, your- if I can get them at one hundred to one hundred twenty, I'd be happy. Um, and I especially love when I can get girls to one hundred twenty. I have a girl doing the. I just I'll have to say this really quickly, but I have a girl doing the Grand Fondo World Champs this week, and she messaged me during the week, and she was like, "Yes, Ellen, I hit one hundred ten grams an hour." And she's tiny, and uh, and she was like, she was so happy, you know. Whereas other people, if I start off with them and I say, "Right, okay, so we're going to get you to one hundred ten grams per hour," and they're like, "Ooh, no, can't possibly eat so much food." 
it's not that hard. And I actually had someone reach out to me and they said, it's very irresponsible to be making a general carb recommendation, like a hundred grams an hour. I think we put, put in a video once 90 and I said, well, okay, let's talk about this. If you are a small cyclist that has 200 watt threshold, are you burning 400 calories an hour? And they said, of course. I said, so you're at a huge advantage versus me where you're still in a deficit. I'm as an 80 kg athlete and I'm doing 300 Watts for an hour on higher for a race. I have such a massive deficit by the end. That's not a humble brag of Watts. That's I wish I was tinier. So I didn't have to push this massive mass of human on a bicycle. So but it's you like, didn't have the advantage there of having bigger muscles. So your ability to carbohydrate load and glycogen load beforehand will be a lot greater than theirs. So you're not really at a deficit, but that's me pulling hairs. Sorry. Oh, wait, no, this actually makes me feel better. I didn't. Yeah, yeah. So. So your um, muscle. So then got, wait a minute. You, you have generally uh, a higher muscle mass than someone who is like 50 kilos. And well, what I'm going to say <clears throat> is that. Hmm. Because I was thinking in my head that small athlete, they, let's say I eat 150 grams in an hour. That's 600 calories. I'm going to be 500 calories in a deficit per hour. So finish a five hour banger. That's 2,500 calories. Now I realize we're not supposed to be counting calories, but I just think it's an easy number for people to get their head around. Whereas a smaller athlete might only be 800 calories in a deficit. So break that down into carbs for calories per gram of carb. I'm way more carb in deficit than they are. But to yeah. your point, I can load more. The day before. Okay. And that's now where... what's the difference? I now I need to go because I think what is it? My isn't that between like 450 to 600 grams, depending on your size? Is that a right ballpark? Could be uh in terms of um muscle glycogen. Yeah. Yeah, it could be up and it could, could be up to 800 grams. Okay. Uh, on the so 150 grams so i'm gonna poke holes back 150 gram difference let's say or maybe more 200 well, gram difference they could be on 500 they could only have 400 grams you and see? i'm at 800 you know how small they are and you could have 800 grams okay so maybe it is okay so yeah 2000 calories so that's about even okay I feel better. Or about just that. chop off a limb, Brendan, then you'll have less I've, to carry around. I have considered that, but no, I'm going to keep <laughs> on. Ellen, thank you so much for doing this. My last question, what's the best way for people to follow you? Do you blog, Twitter, Instagram, obviously? What's the best place to keep up with what you're doing? Probably uh, my website is actually probably the best place to get in touch with me. But okay. uh, to keep up with what, what I'm doing, not necessarily what I'm doing, but what my athletes are doing is uh, Ellen at, or Ellen underscore MacD Nutrition. Awesome. The website is MacD Nutrition. However, if people Google that, what comes up? McDonald's. Hey, got it. Hey. So I need to so, work out work on that. Send me your. <laughs> well, you get some links from this. Some backlinks will help you. Send me when you send me that. Um, the electrolyte. Electrolyte thing. Yeah, send me the links that you want me to post here, and we'll get those out, and then we'll circle back and plan the next one, and I'll get feedback from people, and then maybe in like so we're recording this august 2nd we'll probably post this in the beginning of september i think we're up to and then maybe we'll do another one like as people go into their base season and we can talk about also base miles and that type of thing and then eating oh let me put this out base miles nutrition and then testing strength nutrition strength training nutrition if things change and and, and testing like metabolic testing okay we've got another podcast going Thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day. This was awesome. 
Um, everybody will post the links, reach out to Ellen if you want some professional help. Clearly, there is a ton to learn and you know, having a guide with you down through your journey will no doubt get you down the road faster. No pun intended. Um, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you soon.